False Bottom Girls guides listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson, and I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm also an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the Beer Quality and Education Manager for Orpheus Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone, and welcome to our podcast. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the False Bottom Girls podcast. Today, we have two special guests with us from the National Hunting Board. We have Allison Conklin and Keith Size. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Definitely. So um, what I would like to do, if um, you all don't mind, let's just jump right into it. And um, can you each give us a, a brief description about the, or I guess one of you give the brief description about the National Honey Board and then what roles do each of you play within the National Honey Board? Perfect. I guess I'll get started. Uh, the National Honey Board is an industry-funded group that represents the entire honey industry in the United States. So whether that's a backyard beekeeper, a domestic commercial beekeeper, or you know a, a somebody over in let's say Brazil who's making this you know rainforest honey and they're importing it into the United States. Uh, that all falls kind of under our uh, organization. Our main goal is to make sure that honey is 100% pure. So people who are buying honey in the United States can rest sure that they're getting a quality uh, pure product. I've been doing this for 11 years now. Uh, you know, in terms of my focus, it's on ingredient marketing where Allison and I both specialize in getting brewers, distillers, food manufacturers, beverage manufacturers uh, to use honey. Uh, with brewing, my specific is the technical side and kind of telling the story about honey. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff about honeybees and beer. Excellent. Thank you. Allison, how about you? Yeah, so it's a lot of what Keith already said, but um, but a little bit shorter of time. Uh, I've been working with the National Honey Board for the last six years now. And when you get into what do I specifically do on the brewing side, um, I do a lot of our events from hosting um, educational sessions uh, virtually or in person um, and doing our competitions and also just doing outreach, um, helping brewers be able to find the honey they're, they're wanting to brew with or how they can add it at different points in the brewing process um, or just sharing what's new on the market with everybody. So a little bit of, of everything. So turning our attention to honey and brewing, uh, honey, I, you know, honestly, as a home brewer, I don't know if I've ever brewed with honey uh, and that part of that is not knowing what I, as a brewer, I should be looking for and choosing a honey for brewing. So can you both speak to that on what, if, if I'm going into, um, you know, the marketplace in general to purchase honey for brewing, what sorts of things should I be looking for? What should I take into consideration? Well, I was going to say there, there's a lot of possibilities when it comes to brewing with honey. Um, one of the things that I work on a lot, just with whether it's brewers, distillers, bakers, is pairing them with the right kind of varietals. Um, so you have some honeys here in the United States that are really, really readily accessible that most people are used to, like orange blossom honey. You're going to get a great citrus note that you can add into your beer. It's great for, for honey blondes. Um, but then there's 
a whole world out there. There's over 3000 different honey varietals out there. So depending what you're wanting to do with your beer, um, say that you're wanting to brew a braggot. You could pair that up with a really dark honey. That's very robust in flavor, say like a buckwheat that comes from the, uh, the Northeast. Or if you're wanting to add aromatics to a beer, you could brew with alfalfa that has very strong, uh, dry and, and grass clippings, which may not sound the most desirable, but it just really opens up the beer. Or if you really are looking to add a sweetness note, um, you can add it at different parts of the brewing process, but like a Tupelo honey just has this uh, overwhelmingly pleasant, beautiful uh, floral note to it. So um, there's a lot of different things you could do, but depending if you're trying to make a drier beer, a sweeter beer, um, maybe even bottle conditioning, it's just it's an open world out there for the brewing industry. Excellent. That I know at um, CBC, I had the opportunity to try a few different honeys and that's as a sensory person, that's where my mind goes is, you know, how do I get to where I can tell the difference between the different honeys? Because I know I've heard both of you speak about that, um, that there really is a, a, a big difference once you, you know, you do like a side by side or something like that. So um, if myself as a sensory person, if I want to learn more about these differences between different kinds of honeys, what would you suggest I do? Uh, honestly, I would try to get a flight of honeys, try to get as many different honey varietals as you can. Now I don't expect anyone to go out there and get all 3000 honey varieties. <laughs> yeah. that are out in the world. I mean, that would make me the happiest person in the world. I, my own honey closet is ever growing. Um, but really it, it's just like how every kind of beer can be different. You gotta just try through them, get some fruity honeys, get some floral honeys, get some funky ones out there that bring out different notes, um, and just kind of go through them. But also if you think about, if you're really trying to achieve a certain flavor with your beer, um, I know that we just worked with the St. Louis pink boots society chapter, and they were really wanting to brew a beer with rhubarb. So then it's like, okay, you really want this strong rhubarb flavor in there. What could pair well with that? And eventually working through with them, we found apple blossom honey would be amazing with rhubarb. Um, so it's just kind of experimenting, going through, um, and just really training yourself. Uh, and I find with honey, it's not as strenuous or it has to be as specific. You know, you don't have to be a honey som to really appreciate honey, although that is a goal is that a award? Is it a honey song? Is that, is that the, uh, the so, uh, master of honey? So there are honey it. songs out there. I don't think that's a technical term, but there are like people <laughs> that can, um, that can source honeys all the way down to the floral region that these bees are harvesting their nectar from. That's um, crazy. So, yes, it, it's definitely out there. Um, uh, again, it's a life goal of mine, but, uh, yeah. not right now too busy. I like, I like the term. <laughs> <laughs> So, but really it's just, um, yeah, go out there, try some, there's many, many places online that you can even just get flights of honey to try at the same time. Um, our own website, honey.com, we have a honey locator and you can search by honey varietals or by state, um, or by quantity. So you can get little two ounce bears and just yeah. kind of try your way through all of that and, and kind of narrow in from a flavor perspective, um, so yeah, that's one place you can kind of start with that. Excellent. Thank you. And you know, when I was with the the Craft Maltsters Guild, obviously talking to people about 
craft malt and how it's different and, you know, how different varieties and is it, uh, you know, winter or spring and then being able to taste those, you, you know, you get all of these malts that look exactly the same or very close on paper. And then when you taste them, the flavor is completely different. And it really opened up my eyes to looking at beer as more of a culinary adventure and thinking about what is that kind of the end profile you're looking for. And then how do each one of those ingredients, how can you select specifically for, you know, if I'm looking for a very strawberry flavor, then maybe I would choose this kind of craft malt from this region or, you know, this variety to add to the overall instead of, you know, only looking at like what hops can I add that will give me that flavor. Um, so that's really cool to hear that it's the same way with honey and, and kind of taking that holistic culinary approach to getting the flavor profile that you want. Yeah. And it's not just the, the varietal too, because with honey, you know, unlike other ingredients where you have a pretty standard approach for when I'm going to add these types of ingredients, honey, you know, you're going to get something completely different, even with the same varietal, if you add it, you know, on the hot side at the end of boil or after fermentation, I mean, it's, could be mm -hmm. the exact same honey and get a completely different beer just based on where you add it. So there's all, all sorts of things to think about. I would yeah. imagine you might get more honey character if it was secondary versus boil. With, yep. Without a doubt. Cause then uh, you're going to not survive as much during that fermentation. So character, it, it, exactly. Boil. Yeah. If, if yeah. you, if you add it, you know, uh, on, on the, on the hot side, whether it's, it's whirlpool or the last 10 minutes of the boil, you're not going to get residual sweetness, uh, yeah. just because all that's going to ferment out. Uh, but what you will get is some functional benefits such as raising the ABV, drying the beer out a little bit. Uh, and then you'll get these floral aromatics on the hot side. Whereas if you add in secondary, uh, you are going to get that honey flavor. Uh, you are going to get more of that varietal. Like I wouldn't want to buy a really expensive varietal like meadow foam honey, and put it in uh, the boil. which I yeah. priced out for a brewer the other day. And I think it was $899 for a five wow. pail. And like <laughs> to add that, to add that, no. you know, on the hot side, oh my God, that, that's a, that's, no. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you you'll definitely want to add that secondary yeah. where, where you're getting that toasted marshmallow and you know, vanilla come through in the, yeah. in the finished beer. So the same argument can be made with hops too. Like you don't throw the really expensive 20, yeah. $30 <laughs> per pound hops in the boil. You exactly. Yeah. I totally yeah. get that. So right. like honey, honey is definitely a product of its terroir, but now, might sound a little dumb here. I got a question, but the honeybee is the honeybee, correct? Like there is one, or is there multiple types of honeybees? Like, is it like one type of honeybee might make a different honey than this, or is it, is all the honeybees the same? And it's like where their land is that makes well, different flavors. Yeah. There's 20,000 different bees. I'll sort of go from the top to the bottom, 20,000 different bees that make everything honey. from bumblebees, wasps, yeah seven types of honeybees. Okay. okay uh, those it. seven types are going to make the same honey. Uh, the type of honeybee isn't going to influence that honey. That what honey is going to influence that honey is where you put that hive and where they forage for nectar. Uh, honeybees are very efficient. So if you put a beehive next to a orange grove, you're going to get orange blossom honey. They're going sure. to 
gather the food there. They're not going to fly somewhere else if it's right there. So that's how we get all these amazing varietals. It's not anything added to it. It's all 100% mm -hmm. pure honey. It's purely where the bees forage for their nectar. What about something like, like, okay, so like a chocolate flavored honey or bourbon flavored honey. Mm -hmm. Now that those flavors aren't necessarily coming from the bee. Are they like bourbon? Wouldn't that would be like a bourbon barrel aged honey, maybe? Yeah, those are more infusions where they infuse okay, okay. that honey with something. Yeah. Gotcha. So if it's like out of character, like chocolate, it probably didn't come from a bee. <laughs> like, <Yeah. it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> although it'd be cool. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Allison, is there a chocolate? I mean, buckwheat could have. No, maybe not. There's there's definitely honeys that are out there that have chocolate like characteristics, but there's not going to be a straight Stop. chocolate honey yeah. it's wherever the bees are foraging for their nectar from so if you think about if there's there's flowers with that plant then it can happen um because like a great example of that is coffee blossom honey now the actual coffee plant doesn't have a blossom but for coffee um i don't know if it's coffee groves or coffee bean fields um, <laughs> but what's very necessary is to have shade for coffee beans and to help with the pollination they put a lot of flowers around it so these flowers get coffee like characteristics to it so you get this honey that tastes like coffee beans that's interesting cool yeah so yeah. it's kind of like there might be something near chocolate maybe i'm not sure <laughs> sure <laughs> to get that right i like it very cool. Yeah. Kind of like chocolate malt, you know, Rachel and I have talked about this on the podcast before of when we were starting out and learning about beer, you learn those things that chocolate malt doesn't actually have chocolate in it. It's, you know, it yeah. refers to the, to the process. So that's, that's super interesting. And Keith, you, so you touched on this a little bit, but what, what are a few of the options if we're wanting to brew with honey um, talk us through kind of that when and why you would add it to the hot side and then when and why you would add it to the cold side. Definitely. So hot side is is probably the most common usage of, of honey uh, just because brewers are looking for aromatics and they're looking for uh, kind of a complexity and depth of flavor. Because uh, one thing about honey is there's more than 20 different types of sugars, everything from simple sugars, fructose and glucose, which are the two main sugars, but then you've got uh, some really higher sugars in there. Uh, you even got a lot of sugars you're gonna normally find in, in, in a typical wort, uh, things such as maltose, maltotriose. So while honey is you know, 95 to 99% fermentable, it's not 100 and that kind of residual sugars will find a little bit of way, but it's not going to be sweetness. A lot of brewers describe it as almost a kind of grassiness that ends up coming through a dry hay uh, whenever you use honey on the hot side. But the big thing you're going to get is that aromatic. Now, functionally speaking, uh, you can also do it. Uh, Hop Slam uh, by Bell's, you know, one of the most popular IPAs out there, uh, they use honey on the hot side uh, for two reasons. A, to boost the ABV, so it goes from a single IPA to a double IPA. And they don't want the sweetness, but they want sort of uh, something to kind of round out the flavor. And honey has all sorts of wonderful acids in it that help round out the flavor and really elevate some hot profiles. 
So that's kind of the reason why you would want to do it. Or if you just want to make a super drinkable beer, uh, dry summer beer on a hot 100 degree day, uh, throw a bunch of honey in and it's going to dry it out a little bit without adding sweetness, which doesn't seem to make sense. But, you know, that sweetness yeah. is fermenting <laughs> out. Uh, so you add it in to kind of just dry out that beer, make it uh, much more drinkable. On the cold side, uh, you know, we did research many years ago, and really the ideal place to use it is either at peak fermentation or 24 to 48 hours after peak fermentation. If you add it in at the beginning of fermentation, uh, you know, honey's a lot of simple sugars. So those yeast are going to go crazy. The fermentation is going to be way too robust, and you're going to really lose all the essence of, of, of why you added honey. Uh, so you want to add it after peak fermentation. And why you would do that is you want that sweet flavor profile. You want to get that essence of, of honey. Uh, now, I will warn brewers out there. I know I'm trying to get everybody to use as much honey as possible, but you can be way heavy handed, heavy handed in, in the secondary. Uh, honey is a sweet ingredient. It's 1.5 times, up to 1.5 times sweeter than sugar. So if you dump a bunch in there, you're going to get an overly cloyingly sweet beer that's probably going to, you know, mute the style you're trying to get. Uh, it doesn't take a lot. So if you're making a Pilsner and you want to add uh, honey, make a honey Pilsner, doesn't take a lot of honey to give you that sweetness, uh, but still stay true to that style. So it's a really balancing act. And then the kind of final place uh, you can add it in is bottle conditioning. And this is something we are seeing a massive growth from uh, home brewers always, always kind of uh, used it as a, as a way to bottle condition, uh, but we're starting to see more and more craft brewers do it uh, just because it gives a bit creamier foam, almost like a nitro beer mm. uh, with honey. Plus it adds all sorts of complexities and, and flavors uh, and things like that. And then you could also do what the Belgians do. I mean, the Belgians really perfected brewing with honey whenever they started making beer to meals. And what they started doing was adding a kind of uh, just a general wildflower honey on the hot side uh, to raise the ABV, dry out the beer a little bit, but then they would add a specific varietal on the cold side and secondary to kind of back sweeten it and get a little more kind of sweetness to that beer. So really using honey in both places. So it's really all over the place what you want to do, but it's just, do you want a functional reason, then hot side, flavor reason, more cold side. Right. And the, I agree with you with the bottle condition. I have a friend who works at Floodlands Brewing in Seattle and they do mm -hmm. a lot of honey bottle conditioning and that bottle conditioning on its own is something that I would like to experiment with because I've, I've never done it beyond just like the homebrew kind of the priming tablets when I was first starting out. Um, but actually, you know, using that as another step in finishing the beer, um, as something mm. that I, I'm super excited to be able to try, but when we're talking, so you mentioned in the secondary being able to add too much. So for both the hot side and the cold side, what are some dosing guidelines that you recommend people follow? Yeah, uh, dosing on the hot side is, is you can dose a lot more, uh, especially if you're making something like a braggot, where you're going to want 25% of your fermentable sugars uh, coming from honey. You know, the traditional braggot dating back thousands of years was always 51% mead uh, with, uh, or 50% mead with 50% ale. Uh, 
but obviously brewers can't do that because then you need a winery license and all this thing. So Braggot is kind of adopted to where 25% of your fermentable sugars come from honey. So on the hot side, you can really get heavy handed. Uh, you will have to, you know, modify your mash temperature, generally come up to, to get boil hotter and, uh, you know, hold it at an extended temperature so you don't overly uh, dry out that beer. Uh, on the cold side, you know, it's really dependent on what you want. We say 5% uh, honey addition is going to get you a really good beer where you're going to stay true to the style, but get a little bit of sweetness. Uh, now, if you do want to create a sweet beer, you can push it, you know, all the way up to 10%, 11%. Once you start getting over those levels, uh, then you have to really pay close attention to your fermentation profile because mm -hmm. the, just the total amount of simple sugars being added uh, may stall it out. You know, the exactly. yeast may just get too active, get too exhausted, and they're, they're done with their job and you still have a whole mess of honey. So you could get a really, really sweet flavor profile if you don't, you know, watch out too much. Awesome. Thank you. I have another quick question. Yeah. Uh, so when you, obviously when you put it in hot side, it's going to be sanitized by the hot wart and then the cold side, you, what's the best process to go about sanitizing your honey? Cause in my mind, I think like maybe I should try to boil it for a few minutes or get it really hot and cool it down. But I, would I be scorching it at that point, getting it too hot? So it's dependent on who you ask. Uh, whenever Allison <laughs> and I do our honey beer summits, that's one of the first questions I ask is, okay, if you're a brewer using it in secondary, how many of you heat treat your honey? And 50% will raise their hands and say, of, of course, you have to yeah. heat treat. You know, honey has microbials, it has bacteria, it has wild yeast, all these things. They're all dormant because the pH is too high. But obviously, once you dilute it, in theory, those things have the potential to grow and do all sorts of things. The other half of the brewers will say, God, no, we don't heat treat it. We just dump it in. And, you know, that's that's never had a problem. Uh, it's really up to the brewer. Uh, we've been doing this for nine years in the beer industry. I've never heard of a beer producing off flavors, causing an infection because of the wild yeast, because it hasn't been heat treated. In theory, it, it clearly yeah. can though, for all those reasons you said. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's there's some things in, in honey that most brewers may may cringe about, but it's never produced a problem that, that I know of. Uh, if you were to heat treat it, because a lot of brewers would say it's absolutely insane not to heat treat it, especially if you're shipping all over the country or a large area and you know that beer is going to be sitting on the shelf for a while. Um, mm -hmm. Then what you're going to want to do is heat treat your honey, uh, basically dilute it one to one with water and okay. 185 degrees for 20 minutes. That's going to completely deactivate uh, the microbial load, all your enzymes, all those things in honey, and not scorch it into existence to where you're going to lose all that essence. That's kind of the general guideline. What do you do? Oh, just I just curious. throw it in and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm home brewing on a small No problem so I'm not, far. I'm not so. running a massive <laughs> yeah. brewery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I'm somebody like, uh, let's say Blue Moon, who's making their, <laughs> you know, honey wheat 
or, you know, Genesee and making their honey brown and making large runs that are distributing it. Oh, by God, what I, what I heat yeah. treat just because the likelihood of having to recall and lose a lot of beer. But if I'm making a taproom beer or a general beer, that's, you know, not going into distribution, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just an extra step. And mm-hmm. I would think if something happened, we would hear about it because we're, you know, we talked to a lot of brewers and, and so far that that hasn't been an issue. Good. Awesome. Good to so know. what, what are some of the other innovations? So I, before we got started, I was looking and I definitely want to talk about the honey beer competition in a moment, but I, I was kind of amazed at the variety of different styles of beer that I've been, that I saw that were brewed with honey. So what are some of the innovations that you're seeing brewers do um, in terms of brewing with honey that makes you the most excited? Hmm. We're the least excited. (laughs) (laughs) New England IPA with honey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I think IPAs is 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 really the number one, uh, and a lot of brewers are using honey and and not labeling it uh, on their IPAs, just because consumers can sometimes think, oh, it's a honey IPA, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's sweet, but they're using it for that functional reason and really to elevate that hops. Uh, Pipeworks in Chicago uh, had a series where they were using honey in IPAs. Uh, and the brewer said why we use it is because it really makes a much more approachable IPA. Uh, that gluconic acid elevates the floral notes uh, and really kind of smooths out some of the danker, rougher edges of, of hops. So I think IPAs is a uh, wide open field. Allison, what do you think? You're, you're pouring over honey beers from the competition. Well, if you guys couldn't tell, I'm pretty passionate about different honey varietals and beer. Um, <laughs> so uh, Oxbow Brewing up in Portland, Maine, um, they had taken one of their beers. Um, they aptly named it Dance Language after honeybees. Um, but what they <laughs> did was they took a base recipe and made a four pack with four different honey varietals. And Ooh, so it's fun. It's amazing how you can just get those different flavors from different honeys in there. Um, so that's, that's what I always try to get people. I'm like, look into different bridles and, and make that base beer and just see where your own innovation can take that. Cause it's pretty amazing. And that was a really cool thing because I mean, you had four beers and you had the same beer, the same brewing process, just four different varietals of honey. Some of those beers were completely different. I mean, they were all, yeah. you could tell they were all Saison's kind of farmhouse ales, uh, but boy, what the honey would do to the aroma, to the color, to everything was was really dynamic. That's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about the the honey beer competition. Yeah, I want to say, and Keith, correct me if I'm wrong. This is our sixth annual. Yes. Just finished our sixth one, yes. Um, And we had over 240 um, entries for this year's competition. We're we're super glad to still see coming out post-pandemic that breweries are still choosing to to brew with honey. Uh, When I first joined the team, we had 60 entries and it's grown to what it is today. We also had a lot less categories, but we're seeing from year to year, we're, we're having to add new styles because everyone is wanting to explore. We're now having a historical beer category, a sours category, even a hard seltzer category. 
um, debatable, I know in some areas are controversial, um, but we're, we're just seeing so much pure inspiration coming out from these breweries ac- across the country. Um, and it's definitely one of my most favorite events of the year because, uh, I might get to try a few samples here and there. Yeah. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a, um, a professional component and a home brewing component. Is that correct? So we only have a uh, commercial component, professional component at this time. Um, Last year, we did kind of explore into the home brewers because we knew a lot of brewers were either laid off or just spending a little more time at home. Um, But yes, at this time, we are just doing professional commercial. Okay, cool. And that is, um, will you also let us know, like if somebody's listening to this and they want to start planning now to enter the 2022 honey beer competition. What does that, what does that timeline generally look like? It's usually in Q3 around August, September. Um, we like to do it right around that time because September is national honey month. So it's kind of like a prepare yourself, start brewing for, for this big celebration. Um, our competition is completely free to enter. There's no cap on how many beers you can submit. Just your beer can only be entered into one category. Um, so there's a lot of times breweries just have that one flagship honey beer. They might have a new experimental one that they're wanting to learn more information about, or you might have some breweries like that Pipeworks that might have five, six, seven, eight different honey beers at their brewery. Um, but it is all BJCP certified competition and all of the entries get the judges notes. Um, we, we like to tie in that component because we want to make sure that breweries are, are learning more about their honey beers. Um, it's not always the best thing just to see a flat out score. We want to make sure that they, they know what the judges actually thought. Um, and I'm always happy to give my two cents if people email me as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably works out well. It's kind of like GABF time. You got to get those entries in. So you probably got a lot of brewers who because it was always great for me when competitions happen at the same time. Because yeah. I'm just like, yes, I have all these beers. You get them all. <laughs> you get all yeah. the same ones. <laughs> like- and, and also the timing coincides a little bit with, uh, you know, the majority of the honey beers out there are like drinking summer ales. So we want to yeah. make sure we give those an opportunity uh, to do it. I think if Makes we sense. held it in, in you know, just- January, yeah, we'd lose all those beers just because brewers aren't aren't keeping them on on tap. Then, yeah, it's so, a good yeah. point. Definitely. So, so if people want to learn more about uh, the National Honey Board, um, more about the work that you all do, where can they find you? So, best place to go is honey.com uh, for just plain out source materials, um, sourcing honey and stuff like that. But also we have our own social media networks. Um, the handle is honey for pros. That's the number four. Um, but this is just for food and beverage manufacturers. So we, uh, send out research. We're updating people on new beers that are are on the market. Um, and, and just more specific stuff for manufacturers other than just, you know, out to consumer markets. Uh, so definitely go on there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, honey for pros. I was really excited to do this, especially after listening to, uh, the one on the mass brew association, because, uh, so fascinating. Like the, if you haven't listened to that and you can, you should check it out because they talked about a whole bunch of other stuff that we didn't cover too. So some really good stuff about honey and bees. Yeah, there's, so. there's a lot of info before the pandemic, we 
did honey beer summits where uh, we do one here in St. Louis and one down in Austin where we'd have 25 brewers come out. And that was a full two day educational course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can talk a lot about honey and, and beers and tastings and, and all sorts of fun things. So hopefully we can uh, do that again next year. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. And I know um, I had actually listened to the NBAA podcast and to prep for the master sister and examination yeah. I just took and I sent it to her because we had talked about honey beer and like brewing with honey and how yeah. we both needed to learn more about it and I sent it to her and said listen to this like this is our resource yeah. to, to prep Ho- for hopefully we get a questions. honey essay yeah. <laughs> yeah. we did not we did we not, not. But yeah, after, after listening to that we were both like come on honey question We're yeah ready. <laughs> brew with honey Brew with honey. Yeah. Uh, and Keith and I are always a quick email away. Um, Keith's email is Keith at honey.com. Uh, my email is Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N at honey.com. Um, but again, if you follow us on social media, uh, we're just a quick direct message away. So please feel free to reach out to us. We're, we're always here to help out where we can. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining us and thank you everyone for giving this a listen today. And as always, you can find us at falsebottomgirls.com on Instagram and Facebook at falsebottomgirls. And you can always email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. Thank you again, Allison and Keith for joining us today. Um, This was super cool. And I'm very excited to start brewing with honey. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.